Welcome to Rewitched, a charmed 1998 rewatch podcast. Join us on our journey as we recap, examine, and critique the series episode by episode from the beginning. We'll be keeping our podcast spoiler free. So we welcome fans, new and old, to join us in watching and reflecting on one of our favorite shows. Currently, we're on season two. I'm your host, Jess Sabanko. And I'm your host, Mia Sabanko. Now let's get into this week's episode. This week, we're discussing season two, episode 18, Chick Flick. It originally aired on April 20th, 2000 and had 5.85 million viewers. So let me just say I'm super excited to talk about this episode. <laughs> I know that me too. I love this episode and this is actually has something in it that kind of continues out throughout the show, which isn't it's not a spoiler in this, but I'm glad that they kind of like it has to do with movies and this one particular movie that Phoebe loves that ends up being her favorite throughout the whole show and I love that they stick to it. <laughs> yeah, no, I do too and I think it's like really cute the way that like you know they introduce this and then like it'll come up like you're saying again like we'll get references back to the fact that this is Phoebe's favorite movie and like the fact that it comes up throughout the show like I've always wanted to see this movie I wish it was a real movie like it's always such a disappointment to me right I know when you said I always wanted to see it I was like wait does it exist because me too it seems like it would be such a good like crappy little horror movie you know like old I love exactly. that. Exactly. Like, it seems like a movie that I would also love. So, like, I'm like. Yeah, but this episode is such a good one. I mean, it's just an enjoyable episode in general. I think I think that's what it is. Like, I don't know that we get too much, like, important information like we have in other episodes, but it's just a really enjoyable episode, and I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, it's a really, like, enjoyable, like, we're getting to the end of the season type of episode, so I totally agree. Definitely. So, we open up, and we're in the living room in the manor, and Prue takes a photo of Piper, who's standing by the window and has, like, a cup of tea in her hand, and she's like, hmm, so I think I'll call this woman pretending not to look out the window. And Piper walks closer to her, she's like, how about girl about to pour hot tea on sister's head? And Prue shows her the photo, and Piper's like, either I'm that transparent, or you're that good. And Prue's like, well, I don't think I'll comment, since you do have hot liquid over my head. And Piper says that she was watching Dan come home and feeling guilty. Prue tells her that you shouldn't be worrying about your past when your future is in town tonight for dinner and a movie. And, you know, Piper's like, yeah, you're right, and then she goes to go get ready for her date. They're going on their first real normal date, her and Leo. As Piper heads upstairs, we see Phoebe walk in and Prue's like, someone's in a good mood. What's his name? And Phoebe's like, Billy. And Prue's like, Phoebe, you didn't. And she's like, what? She's like, you went to go see Kill It Before It Dies at the Revival House, didn't you? And Phoebe says that she did, but it was for research. And Prue's like, what kind of class sends you to the movies? And Phoebe's like, no, not for school, for me. I mean, if I'm supposed to figure out what I want from a guy, I might as well start with the first guy I fell for, don't you think? Billy is the ideal man. And Prue's like, he's a character in a movie. One that I might add, you weren't even supposed to watch. And Phoebe goes, when I was 12. Then the doorbell rings and Phoebe goes to get it. 
and Prue asks who it is, and just as she asks, she sees Phoebe fly across the room screaming, and then this guy walks in and he's like, get up, you miserable witch. Prue runs over and she uses her power and throws the guy into the grandfather clock, and he says, and then there were two, and runs out. Prue goes to Phoebe and helps her up, and then they start running after him out the door. Piper comes down looking for her loofah, and then notices the mess and is kind of like what happened (laughs) Piper's just clueless here so I like this intro I mean kill it before it dies is like this supposed to be this kind of cheesy horror movie we find out throughout the episode and I guess this character Billy who Phoebe seems to absolutely adore I love it I love the sisterly moment or even like mom daughter moment Prue was kind of having there with Phoebe (laughs) I was thinking was the same cute. thing like you weren't supposed to watch that movie she was like yeah when I was 12 yeah like she's a grown woman now I think she could watch the movie <laughs> also this random guy that comes in I don't know if you noticed this but we never really realized or never really found out exactly why he followed Phoebe home um I have speculation about it that I'll get to when we find out more about him But Mm -hmm. yeah, we don't get, like, complete confirmation. Yeah, there was an idea that I had, but yeah, we'll definitely get to that as well. And Piper and Leo going on their first official date. I'm so excited to see how this goes, although I feel like knowing the troubles and conflictions that we've been having with their relationship, I doubt it will go completely smooth. Yeah, I'm going to say the same thing, but it's very cute that they're getting ready for this date. I totally get Piper kind of feeling this guilt over the Dan situation, you know, seeing him come home alone, like we were talking about in the last episode, like making jokes that he should get a cat, all that type of stuff. But to go back for a moment to what Phoebe says about how, like, you know, she was doing research to how she might find a guy and she should start with the first guy that she ever fell for. Who were, like, fictional guys that you, like, had a crush on when you were young? Oh, God. Uh, Wow, I don't even know. Um, I mean, oh, never mind. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a character in this show that comes up later on who I had a crush on as a kid, but I don't want to mention it because it's... Yeah, I know. I almost just said it. It's so funny because that was the first one that came to mind. I mean, I don't know. I'd have to I'd have to think about it cuz there there've definitely been a few, but for some reason like you put me on the spot and now my mind went blank, you know. Yeah. When I think about it, I'm a little concerned because all of mine were like very much like TV bad boys. Like when I think about it, like I had I a crush on like Spike from Buffy. I had a crush on you know who from this show. I had a crush on Sean from Boy Meets World. I had a crush on Nathan from One Tree Hill. Oh my god, Nathan from One Tree Hill for sure. Mine mine tend to be those bad guys too, like the bad boys. I never really realized it, but yeah, there was never, I mean, there's not too much of people in a show where I'm like, wow, that's like my dream perfect guy. Like, it's always the bad boys that I know in reality I would hate to be with or it would be too difficult, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So I'm not even sure. I don't know. I really don't. Yeah. And I think part of it is the way that like TV and movies always has these like bad boys that like by the end of season one, now they're like a good guy. And that's like, I'm like, oh yeah, this nice girl changed them. 
Oh, yeah. Like, for sure, that character in this show and Nathan from One Tree Hill were probably, like, my top two. And I guess, like, Spencer Reed from Criminal Minds I always really loved, which I know it's a common basic one, but I've been watching that show since I was little, and I've always loved it, you know? But even him, I don't know about as the ideal date guy, just thought he was cute, you know, like, as a crush. And it's, like, one of those things, like, some of these characters, oh, other ones I had a crush on, Pacey from um, Dawson's Creek and Michael from the original Roswell. When I rewatched the original Roswell a couple years ago, I realized, because, like, I remember watching it younger, and I thought, like, his girlfriend in the show was so annoying because she was, like, always nagging him for things. But now that I, like, rewatched it as an adult, not, like, a little kid, I was like, no, she's right. He's acting stupid. Like, I get why she's being like this towards him. (laughs) I would be the same way if my boyfriend was acting like this. Yeah, there were definitely so many people that I would watch shows and be like, I don't understand. Like, calm down. Like, you're acting whatever, and not getting like even in this show at first I remember being very annoyed with like hyper for going to Leo sooner or whatever like I was very much like fuck Dan like whatever and now watching it like I see (laughs) I understand it more you know like I understand the difficulty I understand Dan's side and you know it's so different when you look at it from like a real world perspective yeah no 100% Another note, when she was like, what did she say? Oh, yeah, when Prue was like, what kind of class sends you to the theater, like, to watch movies? <laughs> when I was in fifth grade, my teacher made us watch all of the Star Wars movies, every single one of them, in class, so that we could build lightsabers just because it was his favorite movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> I will say, as a college professor, um, we watch movies in my classes all the time, like movies and TV shows. It's one of my favorite ways to practice analysis. One, because I know if I send the students home with something to read, only half of them are going to read it anyway. If we watch something together in class and then talk about it, at least I know they were all there and like saw what we're talking about. Yeah, no, I definitely understand it. Definitely uh, people are more open to the idea of watching something than reading. At least a lot of people are. And I mean, also, when I was an undergrad, I went there for film. So 80% of my class assignments were like watching movies and writing about them. Right. (laughs) And that sounds kind of (laughs) awesome. But anyways, I'm very excited to, you know, figure out where this guy came from and what he's all about. Yeah, me too. So now we are outside and see that Phoebe and Prue are running down the street after this guy, and they see him run into the movies. And then inside the revival house, the theater, they run in, and there's a black and white movie on, and Prue's like, I cannot believe that they made us pay. And this guy shushes them that's sitting in the stands, and Prue says that he's got to be hiding in there, and the guy's like, do you mind keeping it down? This is my favorite part. And Phoebe's like oh mine too this is when billy comes on and there and then prue pulls her away mid-sentence and she's like okay we need to spell and phoebe's like okay but we know nothing about this guy i can't just whip one up and then they spot him running away and phoebe just kind of does whip one up <laughs> and he disappears into smoke and the audience guy's like whoa and he 
Phoebe's like, uh, it's just part of the show. And then to Prue, she's like, I cannot believe that that worked. It seemed way too easy. And Prue's like, we are getting way too tough for these guys. Then Phoebe is smiling at the couple holding hands in the movie as Prue drags her away from it. And they leave the theater. And then the demon guy shows up on the screen and starts laughing. Yes. So, obviously, this black and white movie is Kill It Before It Dies. <laughs> yeah. And how adorable Phoebe is in this scene. She was like, oh, it's my favorite part, too. And, like, starts getting so excited to talk about it. I know. Way too cute. And so, obviously, we see that this guy did not die and has some sort of power for going in and out of movies, which is, I have to say, really cool. Yeah, no, definitely. And I remember the first time I saw this episode, I wasn't sure if Phoebe's spell sent him into the movie or if that was just like his power but I think that as the episode goes on it'll become clear that that's his power yeah exactly I thought it was like a cute way for them to kind of get introduced to the demon and think that they killed him and have that confusion so I thought it was cool yeah exactly because that point that they think he's already dead will come back up later exactly so then after that we have the theme song and then we're back at the manor, and the sisters are all sweeping up the mess from the blo- broken clock together. And they're talking about the demon, and Piper's a little confused about why he just showed up at the house. Then Phoebe realizes that she saw him at the movies, and he must have followed her home. And they're still a little confused about why he just showed up, and Prue asks Phoebe how she knew how to vanquish him. And she said she adjusted another spell that they used in the past. So then Prue plays their voicemail and Piper realized that she's late for her date and she runs upstairs to go finish getting ready. Well, um, Prue and Phoebe finish cleaning up. So as Piper is confused, we are a little too about why this guy just followed her home from the movies. And of course, like we predicted already, things aren't going so smooth for the date. Piper's already late. Yeah, it's that idea that, like, magical things are always getting in the way of their relationship, right? And even on their first normal date, that's happening. Exactly. And we don't know how Piper's going to react to this because, I mean, based on the way things ended last episode, she was already very upset about magical things kind of consuming her life. So I hope that this doesn't kind of piss her off or make her, you know, give up again. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think we're also seeing those bits of intuition that, like, the sisters kind of realize there's something off about this situation, which obviously we'll continue to see once they figure out that he wasn't vanquished. Yeah, they have really good intuition, and we've noticed that they kind of tend to trust their instincts more throughout the show, realizing, you know, that's the best thing to do because they tend to be right and tend to save them from a lot of trouble. Exactly. So now we are at this restaurant, and we see Leo sitting at the table with his drink, clearly bored, and then Piper comes running in, and she's like, how's the date so far? And he smiles and goes, it just got better. And then they hold hands, but he can tell that something's off with her, and so she tells him about the demon or warlock or whatever it is, but says that something feels off about the way Phoebe vanquished him. And then she apologizes because she's like, she wanted to keep their date magic free, but Leo says that he doesn't that he doesn't mind. And they kiss, and then the waiter brings over a dish, 
and Piper sees that there's no salt on the table and goes to ask the table behind them for theirs and turns out that it's Dan on a date with someone at the table right behind them. And Dan says, Leo, Piper. And Piper's like, hi, Dan. And Dan's date. And he introduces them. And Piper says, Amelia, as in someone I just work with, Amelia. And she kind of laughs and looks away, but Piper's not happy. He gives them the salt, and Piper thanks him, but is super mad about it. And then Leo says, well, at least he's not pining away. And Piper's like, yeah. And then she freezes the room and, like, laughs a little more like a like a frustrated kind of laugh and unfreezes only Leo and says, okay, so I'd like everything to be normal, but there's only so much a girl can take. Here's to our first real date. And they cheers, but then he hears the white lighter jingle noise and looks up. And Piper's like, what are you doing? They need you? And she's like, okay, well, I guess it would be the same thing if I was a dating a doctor, right? I just wanted tonight to be perfect. And Leo says, well, it was. I was with you. And then he smiles and starts to orb out. But she's like, wait a minute. If we can't have a normal date, can we at least have a normal exit? And she unfreezes the room and he kisses her and then leaves. And then Piper looks at Dan and he looks back at her and she calls them for the calls the waiter for the check. So I have multiple comments about this scene. Um, I'll start with the Piper and Leo. They're so fucking cute. I just I can't even deal with it. Like it was great. I was with you. Like so cute. So, so, so cute. The way he smiles when she walks in the room, like, I just want someone to look at me like that. Like, holy shit, so adorable. Honestly, he lit up at her, like, didn't even care that she was late, didn't even question it, was immediately happy no matter what was going on, like, just stopped and in awe at her. And I just dream of someone looking at me like that. No, literally. And I think we've had so much niceness to say about Dan throughout the season, but, like, Dan would get annoyed with Piper for things like this. Leo would never. Like, Leo's just so happy to be around her, and you can see that, like, instant, like, happiness that just flows through him. Like, he's... And part of it is obviously because he knows what's going on, right? He knows that there's a reason why she was late. Right. He can be a little more um, understanding to the idea that she's got, like, real-world, life-saving right in the moment things to take care of because he knows the situation whereas dan doesn't really get that as much and kind of sees it more like i mean to be fair to dan it would probably annoy me too after a while especially not knowing that like not knowing the background i feel like okay this guy just wants nothing to do with me you know what i mean (laughs) like oh yeah no i totally totally feel feel that way side of the situation And, like, you know, it's just because her and Leo have such a different relationship in that they know everything about each other. Right, and you can definitely see that. And it feels very much like, like, yeah, you're right. Leo looks at Piper in a way that, like, is too adorable, too cute, like, always happy and just wants her, wants to be with her. And not that Dan didn't do that, too, but I feel like you can notice that Piper does it more back with Leo as well. Like he yeah. knows how to instantly kind of make her smile, whereas Dan sort of did that too, but it it wasn't as much. Like you can definitely see the difference when you're watching the facial expressions. Yeah, definitely. 
And to go to Dan for a moment. Now, I have no problem with Dan going on a date. If that's how you want to move on from your relationship, you want to start dating someone new, go for it. But why is it always the girl who you told your girlfriend not to worry about while you're in a relationship that the second the relationship's over, that's who you're out on a date with? Are you fucking kidding me, Dan? I just left team Dan. What are you talking about? We've, who's like Amelia? Like Piper was like, oh, Amelia, just a girl I work with. So Piper knew exactly who this bitch was. Oh, that's what she meant by that? That's how I took it. Oh, I didn't even think of it like that, honestly. Clearly, Dan has mentioned this woman, Amelia, to Piper before, and Piper said something about it, because why would Dan have said the phrase, oh, she's someone I just work with, if wow. Piper wasn't worried? That's crazy. I don't know. I mean, I I get it, the annoyance, for sure, but Piper is not no bitch to talk at all. Like, I don't feel, I'm sorry, I don't feel like Dan is that in the wrong for this. I mean, Piper was clearly fucking with Leo the whole time they were together, like. Oh, true. Listen, I'm not saying Piper's Miss Innocent over here. However, <laughs> I, I don't like it. I don't, yeah. like, I don't like the shadiness here, Dan. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely get that. I didn't even think of it like that. I was so confused about it, why you would put that in a little as a little comment and I was like what is what do you mean left teen Dan because of that but now I get it I didn't I don't know why I didn't take of it take it that way oh I did I did <laughs> that's hilarious though <laughs> but um anything else in this scene you want to talk about not really as we predicted this just went horribly it did not work well but still of course Leah was happy that he just got to see her and be with her, which just melts my heart. I think overall it was just an awkward, bumpy first date, and it kind of represents how the relationship is going to go or how it has been with all the difficulties in their lives so far. Yeah, I guess the one thing I will bring up since we already talked about it is how Piper was kind of having this push for normalcy, um, how she didn't want to talk about anything magical on the date, right? But Pi but Leo was like, oh, I don't mind if we talk about it. You're the one who didn't want to. And then when she kind of compares like him having to leave to if she were dating a doctor and he was on call or something. So I think it's her like trying to create that normal life in her head um, that's kind of going on there. Right. I, I definitely think so, too. She's trying to make it seem as normal as possible. And I guess at least, well, that's not even true because Leo got called away by the elders. But I was going to say at least the date was normal, except like there was no magical involved. It was just got ruined because of Dan and everything. But turns out that's not the case because Leo got called away anyways. <laughs> so poor Piper. She's trying so hard. I know. So we're at 415 Magazine the next day, and Prue's walking behind her boss, who's on the phone talking about a fight at the movie theater. He hangs up, and Prue asks if he's talking about the Revival House, and he's like, no, unless you know something I don't. And she's like, no, no, not at all. And then he tells her about a new assignment, this photographer named Finley Beck, who we find out that Prue is very excited to work with, will be the subject that she's capturing. Prue says that he's the reason she became a photographer and she's talking about how, you know, from his work he seems so giving and warm. 
And that's when Finley walks in and he's yelling at someone, but Prue is so smiley and like cute and like introduces herself. And he's like, so when is this photographer blessing us with his presence? And Prue tells him that it's her. And he's like, you're 12. And she's like, oh, I'm good. And he's like, I'll decide that. And then he looks at her camera and he's like, tell me you're not planning on shooting me in digital. Oh, no, 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 no. Not now, not tomorrow, not ever. Digital is for amateurs. Careful, dear, your true colors are showing. Why don't you do something useful and get me some tea? And then he walks past her and, like, her whole expression drops. And I feel so bad for her. Me too. Honestly, I feel like we never... This is the first time we've ever seen Prue all, like, geeky, fangirly, kind of, like, very not herself. Like, this guy, she was so excited. It was, like, meeting her dream person and she turned into, like, this little kid again, you know? And it was so cute to see Prue like that and then just for her to get her dream squished kind of sucks <laughs> I know I was like thinking the same thing like Prue has this like special kind of like youthful energy in this scene that we rarely see from her and it was so adorable yeah I agree and like just, just for the watching disappointment. her get crushed like that <laughs> I know. like oh. poor Prue and then um, you know we're obviously seeing that Finley Beck is a sexist asshole his all his little comments when he's like oh what is this photographer blessing us with his presence because of course it couldn't be a woman and then right. calling her dear and asking her to get him tea like go get yourself some tea bro like shut the fuck up i know i i absolutely hated that they did a great job at making him a very uh disgusting character so i think we'll know who to mention when talking about some of our least favorite guys <laughs> in this season Oh, yeah, he's going to be up there. He'll be up there for sure. But yeah, overall, just hated this guy. Prue looked adorable. It was so sad to see her so crushed. But um, it's just kind of like a like a B-plot kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. So now back at the manor, in the kitchen, Piper has her breakfast on a plate, and Phoebe walks in the back door. And Piper's like, how was school? And Phoebe's like, will somebody please tell me what is up with guys? And Piper's like, you don't really expect me to have an answer for that, do you? And Phoebe says how she had a very boring date and just keeps thinking about yesterday. And Piper's like, I know, we still have no idea who he was or how you vanquished him. She's like, no, not that. Billy, the guy from the movie. And I know that this is reality, but why can't a guy like that exist in my reality? And then Leo orbs in behind her, and Phoebe sighs, and she's like, Here I am talking about the shortage of perfect men, and in orbs yours. And then he walks over by Piper, and she's like, I found one of the good guys, and they kiss each other. So cute. And then Leo says, Unfortunately, I'm here to talk about the bad guys. And Phoebe says, No shortage of those. So then Leo tells them that he's there to fill them in about the demon of illusion, and says apparently he uses magic somehow to create violence in society, and he's in San Francisco. Then Phoebe realizes that's the demon they vanquished the night before, and him and Piper don't seem to think the demon is gone, otherwise they wouldn't have told Leo to come there. And Piper says that she'll call Prue, and Phoebe says she's going to go look in the Book of Shadows. 
I just absolutely love the way she romanticizes this character. And I feel like that's totally something that we all do. And it's so funny because we watch this show and romanticize the characters like Leo and Dan. And honestly, it's rare to find someone in real life that's that good. And I love that even in the show, they're talking about how in movies and shows, it's hard to find someone like that in real life. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I thought that was really cute. But then, of course, Leo, him being the perfect guy, comes in. Kind of makes me mad, too. (laughs) (laughs) And I love this as like a little sister moment between the two of them where... They can kind of talk about their dates and then, you know, Phoebe is so focused on like Billy and how she wants a guy like Billy and like all this stuff. I think it's adorable. It's kind of that youthfulness that we were seeing in Prue. We're seeing the same type of like youthfulness in Phoebe, just in a different regard of her life. Yeah, definitely. And it felt very realistic to me, the the sisterly moment of them talking to each other and like I said, romanticizing that and that youthfulness that she felt watching the movie and the youthfulness Prue felt meeting her idol. I like that we see a lot of that in this episode. It's very adorable. Yeah. And also, you know, this idea that now they know that one, the demon they were up against was the demon of illusion. And now they realize that he hasn't been vanquished. Exactly. So then we're back at the Revival House Theater, and people are all sitting in the audience, and Kill It Before It Dies is playing. The sisters walk in, and Piper freezes the room, and they notice that the demon is on the screen. And he said, I was just leaving. I should have known the disappearing demon routine wouldn't fool you for long. And Prue says, yeah, all you really did was piss us off. And she tries to move him with her power, but it doesn't work, and he's like, silly Wiccan, tricks are for kids. And then Piper tries to freeze him and he's like, this is the world of illusion and you girls are in reality. Your powers, unlike mine, cannot cross between the two. Then Billy comes running up behind the demon calling for Sally Mae and Phoebe looks at him and Billy notices the demon and he's like, I thought you said you weren't doing, you weren't going to cause any more. And then the demon tells him to shut up and Phoebe's like, hey, and Billy looks at her and She looks at him and she's so excited and they like flirtily say hi to each other. And then Prue says that they need to kick some ass and the demon starts making rude comments about Phoebe and like calling her like slutty and all this stuff. And then Billy's like, watch your language in front of the ladies. Consider that a warning. And he's like, sorry, was it the word sister that bothered you? How about bitch? Does that go down easier? And then... Billy runs into him and they both fall out of the screen and into the theater and Prue throws the demon across the room and Billy stands up and the demon is obviously super surprised that Billy came through the screen too and he says thanks for the inspiration sport and runs off and then Billy waves at Phoebe and she smiles. So very cute that you know (laughs) Billy and Phoebe kind of flirtily see each other and fall for each other love at first sight just like she had been kind of talking about very much like a movie scene yeah no it's very cute though the one thing is doesn't billy literally have a girlfriend like billy yeah you're not so much of the ideal guy here i was thinking that to say about that later in the episode but i yeah i already know what you're talking about (laughs) 
<laughs> but I definitely agree with you. And so now, obviously, we see that they didn't know that their powers didn't work in the movie screen. They find out that he can go into those, and apparently him and them both find out that he can now take characters out of the movies that they're in. Yes, exactly. And um, I think and it's I'll... really cool that they don't come out as the actors playing them. They come out as the movie characters themselves. Yeah, exactly. Which makes total sense because, like, they're coming directly from this world of illusion, right, that we're talking yeah. about. So it makes sense that they're still the character. Yeah, and I just think it's really cool the way they did that, for sure. Yeah, I do too. And I'll have some more comments on that later in the episode. But also, I'd just like to say we're meeting our second horrible misogynist of the episode here in The Demon of Illusion. He has some lines that, like, are funny, but they're funny because they're so horrible. Yeah, I definitely, I agree. <laughs> uh, one too many. Yeah. But I like Billy's reaction, you know, when he's, like, attacks him when he calls them a bitch. Like, I'm like, okay, I like it. Yeah, I know. Him defending the ladies was pretty cute. Though, you know, we, as we obviously know, the Charmed Ones do not need him to defend them. Oh, God, no. They could do... Those ladies can do anything. Yes, they can. So now, back at the manor in the attic, the sisters, Leo and Billy, are all up there. It's obviously a little bit later, and the girls sit at the table with the book, and... Piper's asking what he wants, and Prue says they just need to get rid of him, and Billy's like, I don't mean to interrupt, but is there a point in this scene where someone explains my part to me? And Phoebe's like, um, Billy, this isn't a movie. This is reality. As in, we're all real, and you... I haven't quite figured that part out yet. He's super confused, and Leo tells him that they're the good guys. And then Prue talks about how the demon can go between worlds and bring someone along, but they don't know what he wants. And then Piper remembers that Leo said he wants to create violence in society, but he says that they didn't tell him how. Uh, and Billy says he goes into movies. That's where he does it. And Prue's like, does what? And Billy's like, well, first he... And then he stops and looks confused because there's no background music to hide the exposition. And... He's like, don't you just hate exposition? And then Prue asks if he does something to the story, and Billy's like, no, to the audience. When they leave, they're different, angry. And Phoebe realizes that she saw him in the movie, and that's why she recognized him. And Leo thinks he will use movies where people are already open to violence, and Prue's like, okay, so probably horror movies. And then she says she's going to grab a paper to look for showings, and Piper and Leah will go with her to those, and Phoebe is going to call Daryl and give him a heads up. Then Prue tells her to add some Technicolor to Billy, and they kind of smile at each other. It's very cute. Yeah. So first thing I so, want to say is yeah. Phoebe's obviously gotten over her hesitancy to wear her glasses, and she looks so fucking cute in this scene. She does. She's so adorable with her glasses on. I love it. I think she's just such a gorgeous person. Um, also cracked me up the way they pointed out, like, don't you just hate exposition when we've time and time again pointed out how much exposition is in this show. <laughs> I was like, love the self-awareness here. I know. Were they literally calling themselves out? Because come on. 
They had to have been. They had yeah. to know. <laughs> There's no way they don't know the amount of exposition they give us, like us watching this over. We've called it out so many times and now they say it themselves even. Yeah, and I think, you know, as we've gotten later into season two, they've gotten so much better with it. So I think they really are calling out like their earlier episodes and just the sheer amount of exposition that they were using there. Yeah, I I definitely remember we used to be able to point out a lot more. I feel like it hasn't been as much lately. Yeah. But um, yeah, I thought that was funny. And I kind of like the way this goes. Billy, you know, while they're all figuring out, they still have some comedic elements like Billy being confused as to why there's no background music and having no color and not knowing what's going on, trying to explain his part to him. And then they find out what he does in the movies because of Billy. I like the way that this scene went. Yeah, I like that they found a way to incorporate his character and make him actually helpful in the scene. I like the way that, as usual, the sisters are quickly coming up with a plan and figuring out what they're going to do next. And of course, we got to get Daryl involved somehow, so they got to call him up. Exactly. Precisely. Can't can't go too long without calling up Daryl. No, Dorian Gregory got to get paid, you know what I mean? Damn right. <laughs> so then we move downstairs, and as they're walking down, the phone starts ringing. Prue answers it, and it's Finley Beck calling, and he wants to see her for photo approval. She says that she's not home, and they can meet at the magazine, but he's right outside the door and says they should meet now, and they're kind of, like, trying to hide, and he's like, it's a little late for that, don't you think? And so she hangs up and opens the door, and he just lets himself right in and asks where her darkroom is, and Piper's like, so that's Finley, and Prue's like, my hero. And she laughs, but obviously is very annoyed. And Piper and Leo head out to continue going to the movies. And Prue goes to be by Finley. I thought the part where, which is kind of happening right here at the last moment when they're, when Piper and Leo are walking out the door where he's like, don't mind me, I'm just walking through your house. (laughs) Was so funny. As much as we do hate this guy, I thought that was hilarious, I must say. (laughs) That's the thing, like, both of the men in this episode, well, two of the three, because we also have Billy, are very misogynistic, but it's very clearly done on purpose and in a way that's supposed to be comedic. Like, we're supposed to hate these guys, but also be entertained by their presence. And I think that's very well done by the actors, how, like, over the top they play them. Like, they're enjoyable to see. Like, even though, like, they're characters you love to hate as opposed to just hate. Yeah, it's it's definitely comedic, it's entertaining, and um, even though we do hate them and are meant to hate them. Which I think the story, like the writing does a good job with that and the actors, like you were saying. Yeah, definitely. And I also, you know, the way that the sisters are reacting to them, I think also adds to that effect as well. Yeah, definitely. Aside from that, I feel like this was, wasn't really anything. It's just them heading out while Prue has to now stay and deal with Finley. Exactly. It's kind of getting someone mixed into their whole magical situation who doesn't know about magic and there's potential that that'll complicate things. Exactly. So now we are at Pacific Theaters and there is a scary movie playing and a guy with an axe is chasing this girl and the audience is full. Then the guy in the movie kills this girl and the demon walks up behind him and says, how would you like to do that for real? 
I can get you out of here. Take you to a place where the movie never ends. And the audience is, like, murmuring and is confused about what's happening. But then the demon casts a spell over them and tells the Axeman that he just has to kill these sisters but can kill anyone else he wants along the way. And the guy agrees and he lets him out. And then he says to the audience, now ladies and gentlemen, let's make your PG lives rated R. Who needs violence when you can make it yourself? And then the audience all starts, like, attacking and fighting with each other. I don't know if you noticed in that scene. But there was, like, this old lady in the audience right behind, like, one, two of the people that started fighting and, like, yelling at each other. And she, like, <laughs> actually jumped when they started arguing and then, like, got hit by some popcorn and was, like, moving out of the way. <laughs> and I was cracking up watching that. I was like, was that intentional? Like, why did they have this really old lady here to... <laughs> Like, it wasn't even part of the fight. Everyone else was. She was just, like, moving out of the way. It was really funny. I feel like next time I watch this episode, I need to pay more attention to, like, the background actors, because I just wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I don't know why. It just cracked me up so hard. I don't know how I noticed her. I've never noticed her in any other watches, but I, I peeped it this time, and it cracked me up. But aside from that, now he brought out some killer character which is just perfect just yes. perfect for the girls just what we're they so need. excited for them to battle this axe murderer <laughs> me too honestly very exciting even though this axe murderer like doesn't really talk and just kills but it's cool that he comes out of the screen just ready to attack anybody he needs yeah definitely and we also get the idea in this scene um kind of how the demon of illusion works um that he casts these spells on the audience from the screen right and then turns them into violent people right exactly so we learn a little bit more about his power and what he's able to do and how um him figuring out that he could bring billy out of the screen kind of showed him some new tricks that he's able to do with his power and use against the charmed ones yep exactly so then we move back to the manor we're in the attic and Phoebe's talking about the movie and she's putting makeup on Billy in order to turn him to color. So I don't know if you're aware of this. I don't know how many people in the audience are, but this is a direct recreation of a scene from Pleasantville. So in Pleasantville, what happens is the two characters are modern day 90s teens. This came out in 1998 and they get transported into a 1950s sitcom and become characters in the sitcom. And there's a scene where after they start interacting with people in the movie, they start turning from black and white to color. That's the premise of the film. And when the mother character turns color, she wants to hide it. And so the son paints her in makeup back to black and white. So this is the direct opposition of that scene. And that's why this scene exists in the show. Oh, I, I never even knew that. Yeah, How come they wanted to, movie? they just kind of wanted to do it just as an homage no particular reason just like what because they like it um because it's well i'll talk more about this as we go on but this episode much like the film is calling out 1950s values from the 1990s society gotcha. so that's why it's making that connection as well that's cool yeah i've never i've never seen that um film so i i didn't know 
I really recommend it. I teach it in my first year writing classes and I love that movie. I've seen it at least 30 times because again, I teach it. Yeah. But, um, I definitely recommend watching it. Yeah, definitely. Now I will because it sounds interesting. But anyway, back to the scene. So yes. Phoebe is p- turning him into color with makeup and she's like, oh, I'm sorry. Not only have you seen it, you've lived it. He's like, it's all right. I like to hear what you think. She's like, okay, now you have to be careful not to say that because every girl will know you're not for real. And they both smile at each other. And Phoebe's like, you make me feel like a kid again. And she says that she saw him, well, the movie, a thousand times. And he's like, I'm glad you liked it. She's like, yeah, and even with that ridiculous dialogue and that predictable story, you just, you made your character seem um really real, you know? And he's like, Phoebe, I am those lines. That's how I was written. I don't exist outside that movie. And she says, until now. And he laughs. He says, I never minded. I always knew what scenes to show up for and what to say. But then he comes into the movie and I'm getting to write my own lines. Be more like you. And she smiles. He says, I think you're swell, Phoebe. She says, thank you, Billy. He says, but I don't know how this happened or how I'm supposed to be. Everything I've ever known, understood, touched, it's all been scripted. I had no choice, but here you have options, where to go, what to say, what to do. She's like, well, you're in my world now. What do you want to do? And they look at each other and he takes off her glasses and leans in and kisses her. And then they pull away and his lips are back to black and white. And Phoebe's like, I almost forgot. And she starts covering them with the makeup again and the phone rings. So she wipes her lips and gets up and answers. And it's Daryl. He is at the movie theater and thanks her for the heads up. He says after an incident, there's one dead, force injured, and six in custody. And she tells him that it's going to keep happening and they hang up. Then she calls Piper and tells her that they found their demon. So I thought the scene was really cute between Phoebe and Billy. Phoebe kind of explaining, like, like even her being like, you know, you better not say that because every girl will know that you're not real, you know, because you never really would hear a guy say that. I just like to listen <laughs> yeah. to what you think. Never in my life has a guy said that to me personally. I also feel like in real life, if you said that to someone, like they'd be weirded out by it. Yeah, it's not very realistic at all. You know, like you you can't say things like that. People would be uncomfortable. You're you you're talking like you're written in a movie, basically. Like you'd only ever hear phrases like that in movies, in shows. Even some of the things that some of the sisterly conversations that happen in here, it's like I would never talk to my sister like that. Exactly. And that's one of the things about a false universe is you can have this cheesy dialogue that would never happen in real life. And even Phoebe's saying that she's like, you know, the dialogue isn't great, but, you know, something about your character just is what makes her love it. And I think that's what makes me love even this show. Like, not all Mm -hmm. the dialogue is great. Not all the storylines are great. Sometimes things are predictable. Sometimes things are cheesy. But it's these characters and the real relationships they have with each other and the way they interact that I think brings me back to this show over and over again. Yeah, I I mean, it's the same way for me and that's how I feel about a lot of shows. Most shows and movies are exactly that way. So it's cool that they're kind of 
in this show talking about the world of illusion and the way that it is to people in reality, you know? Um, I think that I think that it's really cool that they included an episode where they like involve that. And here she is saying, like, you make me feel like a kid again, just like we had pointed out kind of the youthfulness and like that excitement she gets and nostalgia from watching this that she you know, this show that she's always loved, or I mean movie that she always loved, and now meeting this character. Yeah, exactly. So overall really cute and I mean, I know this guy caused violence in the theater, but one dead? I mean, <laughs> like, yo, <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> like, what do you mean one dead? What did they suffocate him with popcorn? Like, I don't... <laughs> Maybe it was the old lady. It... <laughs> she just had a heart attack. <laughs> Poor girl was so scared. <laughs> oh my god, that's awful. The concept of free will that's coming up here and the way that that's affecting his character, which again is part of the plot line of Pleasantville, which this episode is clearly drawing from. Aside from that, just a cute scene. The kiss was cute. I liked it. And when she's like, I almost forgot, like I was like, I almost forgot too. I know, honestly, kind of made me sad there. Again, with these characters that Phoebe kind of has these one uh one episode you know kind of love connection going on with and it never goes any further than that and it makes me sad that we still don't have someone like that for her i know because there's so many people fifth of the season yeah and there's so many people that have come in that you're like oh i could see this one going somewhere like billy that's adorable they connect really well they look really cute together and you could see that going somewhere. It was the same thing with um, whatever his name is. <laughs> Her friend. Clay. Clay. Jesus. And oh. um, yeah. Well, there was another one, though, that we also had just recently talked about, but I can't remember what it was. I mean, even when she had, you know, her one episode with Owen the Doctor, like, she's had so many cute little love interests that I thought could have potentially gone somewhere, but they never seem to. Yeah. Misha Collins, that one too. Like, there's just so many that it kind of makes me sad that she still hasn't had something. Even if it was a two episode, I'd take a two episode or like we got for Prue at this point. I know, right? We got nothing for her. Oh my lord. One day. We're still rooting for you, Phoebes. We are. So anyways, now we are in the basement in Prue's dark room that she kind of set up like that. And there are photos developing and Beck is looking at them. And Prue's like, you know, maybe you'd like to take these home. Relax, ponder, choose which one you'd like. And he says, maybe you'd like to be quiet while I see if I can save these things. And then Prue's like, (laughs) just like shocked like she (laughs) her face is just very much like wow this is like a real person talking to me right now and then phoebe calls from upstairs to see if she can come down and proves like not really a good time and she's like okay well i really need to demonstrate something for you and prue looks up and then phoebe peeks in and she's like once you finish your thing and i finish my thing we really need to go meet piper and leo to fix the thing that we saw at the and then proves like thing and um, Phoebe's like exactly and she goes back upstairs and then Beck like looks at her very weird 
and he picks up one of the photos and tells her to print it again, but gives her advice on an adjustment to make. But then he adds, would you like me to hold your hand this time? And she turns on the light and looks down, and Beck's like, I figured out what's wrong with your photos, Miss Hallowell. Absolutely no depth. And Prue's like, really? Now, would that be the technique or the subject? And doesn't look at him, but she raises her head, obviously annoyed. And he's like, excuse me? And she's like, I wish I could. And then turns to him. And she's like, your work meant more to me than you will ever know. And because of that, I've carried around this illusion of what it would mean to meet you and learn from you and how that would make me appreciate your work even more. But now it is so hard for me to even look at your pictures because I think of the man who took them. And it's devastating to me to realize that the brilliance of your eye is completely destroyed by the ignorance of your mouth. And then this photo starts burning up behind her from under the light and she turns to grab it. And he says, see, that's the thing about art, Miss Halliwell. If you leave your subject under the light too long, they burn. And he walks out upset. And as he's walking up the stairs, Prue calls his name and takes a picture of him as he's leaving, kind of an off-guard shot. So I love this scene. Love it. Like, everything Prue said was so... Ugh, chef's kiss. Like, that was great. And this is, like, the scene that I was talking about earlier that I wanted to say that. It is crazy how you kind of think about it like that. Like, there are a lot of people that we look up to, famous people and, you know, things like that, where in reality they may not be those people that we really think that they are. It's this whole idea of illusion that kind of fits into this episode, so I thought it was a perfect episode for them to have included that. Like, I even have one of my co-workers who used to work at, like, this big-time restaurant where lots of famous people would come and said that she's even met Kevin Hart a couple of times and that he was an asshole, like a dick, and just kind of things like that. It's really weird the kind of we paint this pretty picture of people that we've never met just because they're famous or the work that they do, when in reality they could be something completely different than what you imagine. Yeah, exactly. That's why they kind of have that opposite, like that saying of like, never meet your heroes, right? Because they're never going to live up to your expectation. They're always going to yeah. be less than you think they are. Exactly. Like at the end of the day, we're all just people, just the same. And some of us worse than others. And what did you think of him saying, if you leave your subject under the light too long, they burn? Like, what do you think he meant by that? So, I mean, it's clearly a metaphor, right? And it's something that's going to come up later in the episode. But th what I'm kind of taking away from it is that, like, no one can be who you want them to be, right? So that's mm -hmm. kind of what I get from it. But I don't know why he's saying it, because he's, like, basically admitting, like, I'm a piece of shit. You should have just guessed that. Yeah, that's what, because I was thinking the same thing, that that's what he meant, you know? Like, or kind of taking it like if you leave your subject under the light too long they burn maybe he meant like almost like I used to be better but being in the spotlight for so long or being so like gaining this wealth and power whatever you might get when you are in a position like that where people admire you can turn you into something completely different you know so I almost kind of maybe took it like that and maybe that he's pointing that out like like, well, you guys made me this way by admiring me. Like, I don't know. 
Maybe. You know what I maybe. mean? That's an interesting take on it. Because I always wonder, like, why would you call yourself out like this? Exactly. So I kind of took it more like that. Like, I've been in the light for so long in the spotlight and it turned me into this. Like, I don't know. Because you always hear that from people. Not not like that, but you always hear things like that from people where kind of wealth and power and things like that do turn them into something they're not. can turn them into a monster. Or, like, all those people that fall apart from having the pressure of all these people with their eyes on them can do that, too. So, yeah. The other thing I want to say about this scene is this is the Prue I've been waiting for. We've always seen Prue as someone who stands up for herself, who isn't afraid to, like, talk back. And I loved seeing her, like, kind of be like, you know what? I let you have this. I let you walk into my house. And here you are just insulting me over and over and over again. And then she's finally like, you're the issue, not me. And I love Yeah. Her. Yeah, usually she's very on top of that. But she gave him kind of the benefit of the doubt because of how much she admired him, how much she loved him, and let him get away with a lot before she finally said something. And I'm so proud that she did. Yeah. Me too. So then we're at the movie theater and we see Bloody Mary is chasing a bunch of girls in a sorority house on the screen. And Piper and Leah walk into the room and she makes a joke about them finding some seats in the back and making out before they do their demon hunting. That's when the demon walks into the room on screen and he casts a spell on the audience. It doesn't work on Piper or Leo and then he sasses them for talking and calls for Bloody Mary. He says, there's one of the girls who's been getting in my way. Don't stab her all in one place. And then Bloody Mary starts walking off the screen and towards them. And Piper realizes that she can't freeze her. So her and Leo start running away as Mary like slowly walks after them. So here I thought the Piper and Leo of it was cute. She's still very upbeat, which is nice to see, even though she's still having to involve the demon hunting. Maybe it almost feels better that at least she can do it with him, you know? Like, something they can do together at least, even though it's not their normal date like she wanted. I thought that was cute. And then, aside from that, him just sending more people after them from the horror movies. Yeah. More just plot. (laughs) Exactly. The one thing I will point out is finding out that his violence spell doesn't work on magical creatures. I think that... Um, Because as we saw, when Prue and Phoebe go to the theater, there's only one guy in there watching. So I think that the first time, Phoebe might have been the only one in the audience, and he was pissed off because his spell didn't work. So he followed her home to keep her from coming back and ruining his spell. That's what I thought was the takeaway. Oh, that makes sense. Because he obviously didn't know he she was a charmed one, and he just didn't want a witch figuring out what he was doing, so he wanted to kill her so that he could keep doing what he was doing. Thank you, because that's a really solid explanation. I had no clue. I thought maybe it was just he was upset that it didn't work on her, but maybe it worked on everyone else. But then I also had talked myself out of that, because it wouldn't have made sense that Phoebe wouldn't have acknowledged that everyone else there was angry and not her, you know? Mm-hmm. So that makes sense that she was probably the only one in the theater. So now at the manor, Phoebe and Billy are upstairs in the attic making out and back downstairs in the dark room. Prue calls from downstairs that she'll be right up and starts putting her like 
you know, photograph things away. And then the curtain opens behind her and the axe man from that movie appears and attacks and she screams and gets away. And she tries to use her power on him, but it doesn't work. So she starts running up the stairs and he grabs her leg, but she kicks him in the face and gets away. And then she starts yelling for Phoebe as she runs to the attic. And up in the attic, Phoebe and Billy stop kissing, and she's like, hello, privacy, and Prue's like, hello, ex-murderer. And she uses her power to move a desk in front of the door, but he, the guy breaks through the door with his axe, and Billy stands in front of Prue and Phoebe, so cute, and they all keep moving further back. And then the ex-murderer is breaking things as he's, like, coming towards them. And Prue's like, oh, that was an antique, you asshole. And then Billy covers her mouth as she's going to say asshole. And Phoebe's like, he's very, very sensitive about the language. <laughs> the hello, privacy, hello, ex-murderer. I thought it was funny. And the way that they add comedic or like just humor throughout scary moments is really yeah, funny. Like him covering her mouth. Chaos to this section of the episode um and that's why some of the pacing works so well because we're cutting between these short little scenes that all have these elements of comedy as well as the horror tropes of them being chased by these killers right exactly so i love the way that they do that and like you said you know him covering his mouth and using that like oh in 1950s they didn't use bad language like that whole joke is very cute and it works yeah agreed so then we're downstairs and Piper comes in the front door and locks it and she's like, okay, dead woman with a knife on her way. Leo stayed behind to calm down the, where is everybody? And she hears a crash and yelling from upstairs and starts running up. In the attic, we see that the axe murderer is breaking more stuff and getting closer to them. Piper stabs him in the back with like a coat hanger and he falls over. And Piper asks Phoebe if she knows him. And she says she does. He's from the movie Axe Husband. And Piper says that Bloody Mary is coming, and that's when the axe murderer starts waking up, and they all start running downstairs. In the stairway, they realize that they can't kill them because they don't exist. That's when Bloody Mary runs in, and they all scream, but Billy runs at her, and she stabs him, and nothing happens, and he's like, I have something in common with the bad guys, and tells the sisters to run. So I very much love the way that, like, they're kind of playing this and showing it, at least to us as the audience, very much like a crappy horror movie would go, you know, with them all screaming and running and then this and that. It's it's very funny and I love the way that they have this whole scene play out and the fact that they use like the I, like typical scary music, like horror movie music in the background while they're running away is like really funny to me. I like that they included that it's kind of the complication of them not being able to kill them because they're not real characters and how they're going to figure that out, which I think is also smart when we get yeah. to it. I love that. And I love that Billy realizes that, you know, he can protect them, right? Because like these characters, he's not real. So he also can't die. Exactly. Um, and I love the way that the show takes advantage of the campiness of the horror genre and really plays that up to make the episode more comedic and entertaining. Yeah, it all works so well for me. Like, it doesn't feel like too much. It feels, yeah, like they're they're playing off of that idea, that stereotypical horror movie, you know? And it works for me, definitely does. So, 
Now we are in the bathroom and we see Piper comes in and starts hiding in the shower. And she hears the door open and starts to duck down, obviously afraid. And then the curtain opens and it's just Prue and they both scream when they see each other. And it's kind of funny. And then Piper gets out of the shower and they're both relieved. But then Bloody Mary opens the door and runs in. So they run out of the other door screaming. And then in the hallway, they run out and crash into Billy and Phoebe in the hall. And they all, like, run into each other screaming and, like, scared. And then the axe murderer comes running at them. And Billy jumps on him and tells them to run while he holds them off. So, again, more of just what we were saying. That comedic, you know, campiness of a horror movie still being played off here. And them all running into each other. I thought it was funny and it works well. It was very cute. Very Scooby-Doo, like, going in and out of different doors and all Yeah. That's exactly what I was, that's so funny, because that's exactly what came to my mind, was Scooby-Doo. <laughs> oh my god. So then we're up in the attic, and Phoebe's saying, okay, so Billy says the only thing he knows is what's written for him in those movies. So maybe this is the only way that the psychos know how to die, is how they were killed on screen. And Piper's like, well, how am I supposed to know that? I'm a romantic comedy girl, and why go to the horror movies when they come to us? And Prue says that Phoebe will know. And Bloody Mary walks in then and asks if they missed her. And Phoebe says that she was thrown out a window and Axe Guy was electrocuted. So they tell Prue to go tell Billy. And she and Phoebe start fighting and she kicks her out the window and then Bloody Mary disappears. Then Prue comes flying back into the room and says he wasn't very receptive to the plan. And she walks over to her sisters just as the Axe murderer walks in. They notice a bucket of water and a space heater on the floor and kind of exchange these looks, once again, telepathically kind of coming up with a plan together. And then Billy walks in and this heroic music starts playing in the background and he's like, it's okay, the man is here to save the day. And he puts like his fists up in a fighting stance and proves like, Billy, it's the 21st century. It's the woman's job to save the day. And he says, oh, and then just goes back to standing normal. And it's so funny. I love that (laughs) moment. And then Prue throws the space heater with her power and the axe guy catches it. And then Phoebe picks up the bucket of water and throws the water at him. He gets electrocuted and then disappears and Billy smiles. Piper says it's over and Phoebe says, don't ever say that. Every time someone says that in the movies, something always and the doorbell rings. So again, continuing with that shit is so funny. And the way Billy jumped and like you were saying, I thought it was so funny the way Prue was like, uh, it's the 21st century. It's our job now. I love um, that. And I love that kind of playing off the idea because, you know, the 1950s historically is one of the most romanticized decades in American history, despite many of the bad things that we know were going on at that time. I mean, segregation, sexism, just to name a couple of things going on. And so having that moment of like, no, 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 you're in the present and now women save the day. Like, I love that line. I love that moment. And I love the way he's just like, oh, okay. And immediately accepts it. (laughs) Everything about it just worked so perfectly. Um, They played it so well. And then of course, how they always do this with the, every time someone says that in the movie, something always, and then the doorbell rings, like the suspense and, um, kind of the way they're overplaying that idea of 
like what happens in a horror movie is really funny to me. Also, I was wondering, is that how Bloody Mary dies? I think in that specific Bloody Mary movie, because Phoebe saw the specific movie, you know what I mean? Right. Because right. no. it's been in a lot of story, like iterations. Yeah. So her story kind of changes every time. Mm-hmm. I guess all I really know is like the supernatural. Because I feel like the most common one is like, you know, you say her name in a mirror three times, which I feel like was like a, when you were a kid something we used to do at sleepovers kind of thing you know oh yeah me and my friends definitely did that in like third grade (laughs) oh me too no doubt you know and I I just didn't know where the story came from so this seemed this just seemed completely different than like the typical idea of Bloody Mary which is like you say it in a mirror and she appears and whatever happens yeah I think like what we're supposed to assume is in the movie that um you know the because we saw that it takes place at like basically a sorority house so the sorority sisters did that right she showed up and the way they kill her in the movie is by throwing her out a window and phoebe saw the movie so she knows that and knows that that's what they have to do to kill her here right as usual i love the choreography here the organized chaos this scene is just really well done really well executed the acting is really good and that comedic timing between all of them is perfect even like when bloody mary's like did you guys miss me? Like, that was so funny. Her deadpan. I love this actress playing Bloody Mary, too. Yeah, me too. So now they're all downstairs, and all of them slowly walk towards the door behind Piper, and they're, like, all very nervous and very scared, and she reaches slowly towards the door, and as she's going to grab it from outside, you hear, it's Daryl, and then they all jump back, and they're like, oh, and are relieved. And then Piper opens the door and he comes in and they go into the living room and Daryl looks at Billy and Phoebe's like, he's okay. And Daryl's like, it wasn't just an outbreak at one theater. I got stuff going down at multiple locations. And on top of that, I got a series of murders that are straight out of the movies. I think we're looking at a copycat. And Phoebe says, only there's more than one cat. And Daryl looks confused and Prue's like, Prue asks how much he wants to know. And Daryl's like, only what I need. So she's like, it's not someone imitating what happens on screen. It's someone from the screen doing what comes naturally. And Phoebe says that they rewrote the scripts and Daryl asks if it's over. And Piper's like, not even close. We don't know how many more are out there and we have no way of stopping the demon from tampering with the audiences. Then Daryl's pager goes off and he has to go. And Billy tells them that he goes to new cities with the movies, and they realize that Kill It Before It Dies is having its last show in San Francisco, so he'll probably be there. And Prue's like, so the midnight show will be his final performance, and we can't kill him in our our world, so we'll have to do it in his. And Phoebe says that she can make a potion to put them into the movie and get out. And then she turns to Billy and says, that means I'm gonna have to leave you there. And he's like, so, you'll always know where to find me. And they're all smiling with each other, very cute. And Prue's like, so let's go to the movies. And they all get up and go. So for the most part, I feel like the scene is, it's very cute, but it's just pushing the plot forward. It's giving Daryl a scene to be in. And we're getting the idea that they have this plan now of how they're going to stop him. And I love that line of the midnight show will be his final performance. Yeah, me too. And I like, again, the way that, you know, we see this continue continuing with Daryl's character, the way, like, he tends to only want to know what he needs to know. And when it gets too supernatural, he's like, ugh. Yeah, please, don't tell me anymore. 
That's it. <laughs> so then the next scene, we're at the movie theater, and we see that same guy who was there the night before is in his seat sleeping. Why would you pay to see this movie again just to go to sleep? But whatever. <laughs> Billy and the sisters walk into the theater, and we see Sally Mae on screen, and she says, Billy, you're back, just in time. Well, this is the part where we're supposed to be. And then he's like, you brought company. Oh, Billy, how could you? We were going steady, and you you pinned me. And he says, well, that's because the writers told me to, Sally Mae. I mean, you're a nice girl and all, but... And he looks at Phoebe. He's like, anyway, these people are here to help us. And Phoebe takes out the potion, and they all drink them. And Billy walks to the screen and holds his hand out for Phoebe. And she goes in, too, and then Piper. That's when the demon walks up to them. And as Prue's about to go in, we see that the guy who was sleeping wakes up and pushes Prue. And Piper reminds her that he's under a spell because she's, like, about to kick his ass. And then on screen, we see that everyone starts fighting. And Prue knocks out the guy with her power, and she's like, I know you're an innocent, but... And then does it. And the demon tells them that something will happen if they're still in the movie when it ends. And the credits start coming, and they try to run off the screen, but they're stuck inside. And it gets dark, and Prue can't see them, but they're, like, calling her name. So, just wondering, what does that mean, you pinned me? Does that mean, like, they they had sex? Like, I don't no, know what that doesn't. means. So, there, there's this trope in the 1950s where, like, if you were, like, the cool, like, letter guy from, like, the football team or whatever, you had, like, a pin that came with your jersey, um, and you would give it to your girlfriend, and that showed that you were, like, in a steady relationship with them. Oh, Okay. Because I was like, I had no clue what that meant. Yeah, and it's funny because in Pleasantville, there's a joke because the guy that um, Reese Witherspoon's character goes on a date with wants to pin her. And she's like, oh, you can pin me anytime you want, Skip, because she's like a modern girl. So she's making like a sexual joke. But like in the 1950s sitcom, they don't know about sex. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Oh, my God. That's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's wild. I didn't. I had no idea. It's nice to have someone like you, like, for everyone in the audience, like me, everyone listening, I am not, like, this movie buff or, like, like, Jess is an English teacher, like, (laughs) always been interested in film and things like that. She is where I get a lot of this information from, so that's why you hear her knowing a lot more than I do. (laughs) (laughs) But it's nice because I have someone that can explain these things to me when I ask because I never know. Yeah, and you know, like, it's one of those things where if you haven't watched, like, a lot of movies from the decade, you wouldn't really get the reference because, again, this is, like, 70 years ago, you know what I mean? Right, right. And I watch more 90s to to my day type movies versus movies from back in, like, the 50s and things like that. Yeah. Yeah kind of going off of this idea billy's behavior in this scene like damn you're really trashing sally may here i know so embarrassing like you're a nice girl and all but like damn billy and here we were thinking you were the perfect guy character like you're not (laughs) perfect look at the way you're treating your girlfriend yeah i know here we were having this thinking you were the perfect guy and (laughs) Like, all those gentlemanly qualities just flew out the window. I know, like, 
literally out of nowhere he like broke character to say that and it was like it kind of was really funny though it was it was hilarious but like i think it's the point that now that he's experienced the real world right um because the way women were written in the 1950s they're not supposed to be interesting they're just supposed to like you and listen to what you say whereas like phoebe has her own interests and talks about things and like i think that that's something that billy really liked because based on the way uh not that women were but that women were written in the 1950s sally may wouldn't have been an interesting character whereas phoebe is an interesting character because she's actually full deep fully developed and three-dimensional yeah yeah exactly i definitely i see what you're saying yeah because you know women have always been interesting people but men writing women didn't always think that women were interesting people right exactly that was always how it was portrayed otherwise you know we're getting the setup that something bad's gonna happen if they don't get out of the movie yeah exactly that's what it was. That's what I was trying to remember. I was like rereading it to try to remember what I was going to say. Yeah, so we don't know what happens. I assume since they're stuck in there that that just means they get trapped in there and kind of can't get out. So I can't wait to see what Prue's going to do to fix that. Yeah, and I wonder what it means. Like, does it just mean they travel to the next city if Prue didn't figure out what she figures out in the next scene? Like, I'm wondering what it really would have meant or would they have like died or something? I don't really I don't know, know. what happened. I don't know. Like, I I was wondering the same thing. Couldn't tell you. I mean, we know at the very least that they're stuck in the film. But aside from that, like, then what? Do they just, like, exist in the film? They travel? Yeah, I was wondering the same thing, so I'm not sure. So, still in the movie theater, the credits are rolling, and Piper and Phoebe are telling Prue to do something to help them. And Prue is looking up at the projection room upstairs and astro projects into there and the guy running it is asleep um on the floor and she figures out how to reverse and then reverses it for a little bit and puts it back into play and then she goes back into her body and tells them to get out of there quick phoebe and piper drink the potion and run out of the screen and they all hug And the demon says, that's right, run away, little witches. So these are the mighty charmed ones. Ooh, watch me run in fear. And Piper's like, Prue, we don't know, I don't know what else we can do. And then he tells her not to be so negative. And Prue looks back up at the projection room. And the demon's like, how does it feel to finally know someone you can't defeat? And Prue says, I don't know, you tell me. And she uses her power to turn a switch on upstairs And she says, you know, if you leave a subject under the light too long, it burns. And then the film strip catches fire because it's not moving forward. It's just stuck in the light from her stopping it. And the demon yells and he's like, no. And then the movie screen, like you see the film burn on the screen and him kind of disintegrate, basically. So I like the way that they ended up killing him. I thought that that was really cool. It was a smart way to like have that and reconnect back to the um finley beck of it all yeah i totally agree though my one question about this scene is prue's never been able to move something she couldn't physically see before i know i was thinking the same thing that's the first time that's ever happened but i wonder if it'll ever happen again or if it was just for plot's sake yeah me too i wonder if that's just something she can do now But also, I mean, as far as this interaction goes, I mean, the demon was so funny here. 
these are the mighty charmed ones watch me run in fear like i was dying the entire time yeah no he he definitely for being such a shitty dude definitely was entertaining at least (laughs) yeah and even just like the words he uses like when he's like to piper like oh you're supposed to be the perky one like shut the fuck up yeah (laughs) that was kind of funny though but I think it was a solid vanquish. Rip Billy and Sally Mae, though. Like, <laughs> Yeah, right now they just have to go in that movie. And, like, he literally was basically like, uh, you're boring and I hate you, but we have to keep dating because that's how the movie works. Oh, that's not even what I was... Th- I mean, that too. But I was thinking because they just kind of killed them too, no? Well, didn't they only... Like, they weren't standing there in that scene, were they? Oh, right, right. It was just that part of the film that got burned. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. They were off screen, so I think they're fine because the rest of the movie is still fine. But yeah, no, seriously, their relationship is ruined. Now they just have to keep going back to their scripted parts, but Sally is definitely going to feel that (laughs) (laughs) for the rest of her time in this movie. Literally. So then we go up to the projection room and the sisters are with the projection guy who's taking the film out. And he's like, thanks for waking me up to warn me about the film burning. I could have lost my job. And Prue, like, smiles and, like, weirdly, like, leans into him and puts her head on his shoulder. And Piper's like, I guess you learned something from Finley after all. She says, yeah, I guess he did come in handy. You can love the work, but not the man. And Piper says, what if you love them both? I thought that was cute. The the old guy in the projection room who, like, passed out and he's like, could have lost my job. I didn't think it was, like, weird the way Prue kind of did that. I feel like it was very much like a, ah, like a friendly little... Poor guess. guy. I guess I'm you just know? not a touchy-feely person, so, like, it's very weird to me when people interact like that with each other. Yeah, I, I definitely am. Like, that didn't that didn't feel too out of place for me. Like, you like, read it like she was, she like, was on top of him. Yeah. <laughs> I was just, like, I was just, like, it's just, like, weird that she's interacting with this total stranger like that. Yeah, I, I could see that, but, like, it didn't feel out of place to me. It didn't feel like it didn't make much sense. I thought it was, like, a cute little, like, Oh, poor guy kind of thing, you know? Yeah, no, I definitely felt bad for him. So outside of the projection room down in the theater, Billy is on the screen and Phoebe is standing in front of it. And Phoebe says, I guess it's only fair. I got my first glimpse of romance from watching you on the big screen. Other girls deserve that same view. Thank you for restoring my faith in the male species. And they both smile at each other and he says... Now all you have to do is hold out for one that's three-dimensional. And she nods. And he puts his hand against the screen. And she walks closer and does the same and smiles at him one more time. And then they both turn to walk away and, like, look back at each other for a moment and then actually leave. That was adorable. broke my heart. It's so cute. I know. Poor Phoebe just wants him so bad in her life. And I, like, think what this episode is really setting up, like, Phoebe has to have a love interest coming soon after this. There's no way they could give us this and be like, now you just have to hold out for one that's real and for her not to get a love interest after that. Yeah, it's gotta be, like, hopefully some sort of foreshadowing because we've been waiting for this. And for them to say that and then give us nothing again, I'd be annoyed. Me too. But like you said, broke my heart. Super cute. Super cute scene for them. And a nice little wrap up to their story. Yeah. And, you know, 
once again, Billy is being very sweet here and I enjoyed his character. I liked having him in this episode. You know, he had that one moment where I was kind of like, ugh. But overall, he was a pleasure to have around. I like the actor. I think he does a really good job with the character. And again, it was just, it was fun. I liked this, these um, characters pulled off the screen, getting incorporated with the Charmed Ones. I thought it was a really fun plot line. Yeah, I definitely agree. So then we move to the manor and we're in the living room. It's the next morning. Piper and Leo are cuddling on the couch and Piper says, You've got to be kidding. The date was a disaster. He says, I had a great time. I especially liked the look on your face when the accordion player broke out in the, in that song. And she slaps his leg. She's like, are you making fun of me? And then they start like making out. And she says, it was our first date. I wanted it to be, I wanted us to be. And he says, a normal couple. She says, yes. He says, well, you're a witch and I'm a white lighter. You know, being busy, being called away are probably the only normal things about us. And then they start kissing again. Then over by the door, we see that Dan is walking up and the door is half open. So he walks right in and calls that the door is open as he's coming in. Piper moves away from Leo and he walks up to the living room. She gets up and tells him to wait as he starts to leave. He has a box and it has like some of her things in it and he gives it to her. He says, I kept them around because a part of me was hoping that maybe, maybe that you'd come back. After last night, I realized that I have to move on too. And she thanks him and he nods. Then Prue comes in and she says hi to him and he says that he's leaving. Him and Piper kind of like smile awkwardly and he leaves. Then Prue looks at Piper and Piper asks if it ever gets any easier. Prue pets her head and they walk back to the living room. Then Prue tells her that she saw Finley again at the magazine and it all worked out. Phoebe comes in and says, did you get to tell off the demon of crankiness again? She says, no, once was enough, but ooh, my editor did love that shot that I chose of him. And it was the one from the staircase. He said it was the first picture that captured the real man. Speaking of, I will never see another horror movie again. But I ran across this and thought, and she pulls out like a VHS tape of Kill It Before It Dies and gives it to Phoebe, who is so excited and takes it and runs off to go watch it. And Piper's like, should we worry? And Prue's like, I think she's just saying goodbye. <laughs> so I love this moment between, you know, Leo and Piper that that was cute, a little funny moment, and them kind of acknowledging like, well... The most normal thing about us is that we're both in the same boat, both busy and, you know, things like that. The Dan of it all, like, Dan, come on. Why are you he making redeemed yourself? himself. I was mad at him earlier in the episode. I forgive you, Dan. You're right. You know what? You deserve to move on, even if it's with this girl that Piper was apparently worried about during your relationship. Yeah. And I like that, you know, this idea that he was kind of still holding out hope and then he decides to return her things um, because he realizes that he really it's she's not coming back um, yeah which is sad but also I'll just say never once in my life have I broken up with somebody and returned things to them I just keep it I'm sorry I'm not giving you things back yeah I've never really done that either um also never in my life have I broken up with somebody and then just walked myself let myself into their house but <laughs> i mean in his defense their door was wide open like they could at least close the fucking door <laughs> yeah no you're right but still that's just like 
a little funny. But it was sweet that he's, like, going about this in a healthy way and isn't, like, accusing her or upset at her for it and was just like, I had hope, but I know that, you know, this is what you want and it's time for us both to move on. It's a very healthy way of dealing with it, which, God, he just can't get any better, can he? (laughs) I know. Dan. Freaking Dan. Such a sweetie. I hope he finds, you know, some new love. I know. I hope I hope he finds what he's looking for one day. But um yeah, this scene or that part was kind of sad, but you know, overall it's a positive thing. And then Prue using that photo in the staircase to kind of represent who he really is. I thought that was really smart. I like that in the end I it worked out for like, her and her job. Yeah, that we find out cuz like Finley Beck said at the beginning of the episode that he gets photo approval, so obviously he liked that photo too, because he had to approve it to get put in the magazine. Oh yeah, definitely. So I he probably that's interesting. Yeah, ended up eating his own words there, basically. Mm-hmm. And then Phoebe again with that youthfulness, that kitty feeling. It was really cute when she got the movie and got really excited because of Prue getting that for her i thought it was such an adorable scene yes and then on to the final scene it's just phoebe up in her room and she's laying in her bed watching kill it before it dies and just kind of saying the lines along with the movie because she's seen it so many times and it was like a cute overall ending yeah it's adorable phoebe looks adorable like her little outfit there with like the overalls and the bandana and her hair and everything she looks so cute and like her saying along the lines with the movie that's literally me when i watch jersey boys because that's like my favorite movie so i just <laughs> sit there and i know every line every song i'm just like that's me watching it <laughs> i love that i love that it's 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 cute overall i thought this was a really entertaining episode as we had mentioned multiple times, I mean, like I said, there wasn't too much importantness, things that are really going to lead us on, except for maybe if that was foreshadowing about Phoebe finding a love interest, and obviously we got Piper and Leo officially starting their relationship together, which was nice, but the episode itself, the storyline, the way it was played out, and kind of the the references to other movies and references to the 50s, like, I think it worked really well for me and this was a very enjoyable episode. Yeah, I totally agree. I think this episode was meant to be a lot of fun and it was really successful in what it was. The references to other films, um, the really playing up the horror genre for all that it can be, both in terms of like comedy and campiness was really fun and I just loved watching it. This episode has always been an episode I liked and yeah, nothing's changed this watch. Um, I really loved this one. Yeah, usually I feel like we have these kind of monster of the week type episodes and end up being like, like, oh, it's nice, like starting out thinking, oh, I was really gonna like this, but then we criticize it a little more. And this one, I feel like we didn't have too much to say. I was very happy, very pleased, just like I always am watching this episode. Yeah, this is a really good filler episode. I'll say that for sure. Definitely. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you want to reach out to us or follow us on social media, we're on Instagram and TikTok at rewitched underscore pod. You can also send us an email to rewitched.pod at gmail.com. 
and join us back next time for season two, episode 19, Ex Libris.